This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning, the following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example, Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am the father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 378. Uh, there is no box office report, so if you're if you're used to the sequential teeter-totter of, like, movie box office, movie box office. We're throwing you a curveball because uh, I have to go out of town. I screwed it all up. So the movie of the week is Tully, and we have a guest with us, Lynn Vinhouse. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Tom. Hi, Kevin. I was going to say, is she not going to say hi to Kevin? Damn, shots fired. I'm used to it. It's already like gloves are off. She's like, F you, Kevin. Why don't you tell people where you're from just so you can kind of get that? Okay. Well, I know you gentlemen from sitting in movie theaters with you. (laughs) Dark rooms for (laughs) hours on end. Yes. (laughs) Because you're my fellow film critic peeps. So that's how I know you. But actually, I interviewed Tom when he worked at a local radio station called The Rock. And I did the St. Louis radio report. And you and I had a mutual love of the monkeys. That is true. And we bonded. Oh. And you had hilarious stories. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, the listeners know about my love for the monkeys. It hasn't changed since yeah. then, Lynn, so I know. Well, S- nor should it. Yeah. So uh so typically what we do on a show is Joe gives us an in depth synopsis. He uses his cop like mind <laughs> and like recreates the entire movie. Well, that's and why then, they call him the world's greatest detective. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's not here and I suck at synopsis and Kevin saw the movie like a three year, weeks a ago. year and a half ago. <laughs> and Lynn so, did too. Yeah, so uh, so this one uh, for our regular listeners might sound a little uh, non-traditional because it won't be the most sequential recreation of the movie that we've ever done. Unless so. Lynn has a memory like a steel trap. I kind of do. Well, oh, well, we'll see. She Finger. might be our synopsizer or at least correct us. <laughs> yeah, she'll correct us a lot. So she's a teacher on the side, so she's good at correcting kids. So I think a good place to start is with the Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody, yeah. Charlize Theron. I was going to start with, so the... the the plane is taking off over the Hudson, right? No? I don't think so. Wait. I thought we were seeing Sully. No, it's oh, the wrong one. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Tully. I might not be able to help as much <laughs> as I thought. <laughs> What's the, the screening company really needs to get their act together yeah, if they're showing was... Sully at this time. <laughs> I was wondering why she didn't have a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so yeah. the... I mean, I've been a big fan of Jason Reitman, right? So since I saw Thank You for Smoking, I absolutely love it. One of my favorites. Then he did Juno. Then he did Up in the Air, which had a lot of filming in St. Louis. Right. Yes. Um, And so it was like three for three. Jason Reitman on fire. First three films. Fantastic. Then his fourth film was Young Adult, which had this same team of the writer Diablo Cody, Jason Reitman director, and Charlize Theron. Now, I still haven't seen Young Adult. Oh. You haven't seen it? I've so not. underappreciated. Now, you didn't like it, right, Kevin? I hate it. And <gasps> I love it. And I, I, A lot of people I, do. I had a feeling there must be like, I, I know you don't like it. I know a lot of people yeah. didn't like it, but I, I felt like a lot of people must have liked it because I noticed sure. in the trailer for Tully, they, they said, like, from the team that brought you Juno and Young Adult. And I'm like, well, they're name-checking a movie that was kind of like... 
wasn't it, the most well-reviewed film of his career. No. It's it's well-received by some. It's very polarizing. So I talked to some people at the screening because I'm like, all right, I, I haven't liked a Jason Reitman film in three or four films now. I mean, he did that Labor Day movie, which yeah. I, I still have PTSD <laughs> over Josh Brolin Yeah, there's a scene pie. in this where I, she's making a pie, and I was like, uh-oh. She, exactly. And I was, but it's a good pie. Yes. Yeah. But I was having flashbacks during the pie-making scene. I thought, oh, but that's neither here nor there. But this is the same team that did young adult. And so this was around not to go into it too much, but this was around the time when the crude comedies were really, you know, making their way. Like you had the Jeb Apatow stuff going on. Uh, you know, of course you have Kevin Smith stuff, which I love, which I feel is very natural. And then I think I'm, I just, I've been used to Charlie Theron in such traditional roles, not like in young adult at least. And so it just rubbed me the wrong way. Like it was too forced and that's why I didn't like it. It was too, not that it was too crude or vulgar, but coming out of her, I thought, no, it's just they're trying to be edgy. It's not working. Gotcha. She played a woman who didn't grow up, and she was stuck in a rut. Gotcha. And uh, she goes back to hook up with her high school boyfriend, who's the hunky Patrick Wilson. And she has a random hookup with Patton Oswald that is a hoot. Yeah. I think. Don't you remember that? Yeah. Bar- yeah. I want to go back. I like. I like Patton Oswalt. I like Charlize Theron. I obviously like Jason Reitman. It just it just didn't work for me. And so I was really worried going into this one because, you know, his track record as of late, even if you don't count the uh, young adult, but you've got Labor Day, men, women, and children. Oh, oh. And, and yeah, and so... Was it, men, women, and children, was that the Adam Sandler yes, one? Yes, with the Jennifer Garner and yeah. the parents, and it's so turgid oh god yeah it was was very uh pretentious oh yeah so it was like three for three and then it was like three for four in my mind three for five three for six so going into tully i'm like well i i like these people separately and i've liked them together in the past but i didn't know what to expect but so at least we know going into it lynn liked it i didn't tom hasn't seen it so it's a pretty even playing field as far as this team goes uh, but I mean, just to get impressions out of the way, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought I thought it was clever. I thought it was a lot deeper. I thought it was going to be maybe another young adult grown up movie, but still a little. Well, it does sound like it's kind of flip side of the same coin. You have young adult you describe as a movie about a woman who never grew up, stuck in a rut, and this is a movie about a woman who did grow up and kind of wishes she hadn't, and she's stuck in a rut. Yes, you yeah. know. And it speaks the truth, I think. I think it's very raw and very real. And Charlize Theron, just think last time we saw her, she was kicking butt in Atomic Blonde. Yeah. She's one of the world's most beautiful women. And yet, you believe her schlepping yeah. around in a bathrobe being super frumpy. Yeah. I honestly, so when I saw it, because I saw it pretty early and they weren't doing a lot of news reports about it yet, it, it played at Sundance maybe or mm-hmm. one of those festivals, but there weren't a lot of mainstream public publications writing about it yet and so i didn't get all the news articles about charlie theron gains 50 pounds for the role so she did legit gain the weight for this oh yeah i couldn't tell if it was like how much of it was how she carried herself or you know so so she she did like really get as big as she appears to be in some scenes in this movie and and i thought i thought was impressive because i was watching it and aside from her great acting and her slump that she's in and, and all that the performance i thought the look was so realistic as far as someone that's pregnant and 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 you know not someone that is a lot heavier than Charlize Theron, and so when I found that out, I was like, wow, that's that's some Christian Bale, you know, that's some that's some real weight gain type. De Niro, stuff. De Niro, yeah, exactly, De Niro. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's impressive. So method, oh. yeah. <laughs> but what's really great about this is because the three of them re- they get it. Somebody I think must have had a baby. Not sure, and I should have looked it up, but. It's so real yeah. about every the rigors of infant taking care of an infant. Well, that's what so that's I think it's great that we have you on the podcast. You have two children of your own, so you've been through this at least oh, twice. Yes. And uh, you know, I wanted to kind of get an input from you because as as a father, I I did recognize a lot of it, but of course, I didn't have to deal with it as much as her character, uh, Marlo, I believe is the main mm-hmm. character's name. 
Um, I didn't have to deal with it obviously as much as she did. And so the Ron Livingston character plays the husband, you know, he's, he's a good dad. He's a hard worker. You know, he's good with the kids, but he doesn't have to do the mom stuff. And that's what they're kind of pointing out is that, you know, it's a totally different thing. I really enjoyed the fact that the movie didn't make the dad, the villain. Yes. Like it's, it's so easy to be like, mom does all the work. Dad doesn't do a thing. And like, that wasn't what was going on. No, it was refreshing because what, what would normally happen in a movie like this? So he's off work after dinner, he's playing with the kids. And then when it's time for bed, he goes up and plays his video games, you know? And like, but they didn't sell it as like, Oh, what an awful person for just being a loser that plays games. It's like, no, he's, Doing, well, the, the movie makes it clear that like he goes off and plays his video games, but she goes off and watches her reality TV. Like it's right. not; it's a choice they're both making. It's not he's ignoring her. It's like they've each kind of fallen into this this kind of sexless rut oh, yeah. of like we're just kind of becoming. It's the early phase of they're becoming roommates instead yeah. of husband and wife, and and so and it's you know messing with her head. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think. Uh, this is about also the standards that women have. And I think it sets it up really good. Like when she goes into that private school and she has the run-ins with the, the uh, principal, because it's that veiled, uh, you know, he, we think he would fit better elsewhere yeah. and they're not telling you the truth, but we don't know what's wrong with the child. There's this boy and he's obviously got special needs, he's but they, quirky, have, right? they have, uh, they haven't been diagnosed yet. It's yeah. some, well, you know, it's something. And, and yeah, I will say this part bothered me a, a little bit because I see movies and TV playing this game a lot more when it comes to characters that are somewhere on the autism spectrum, which is they don't, want to deal with the heat of identifying a character as having Asperger's or autism. So they and, don't even say and it. And so they just leave it undiagnosed. And they are those or they just won't ever address what the issue might be. And uh um and so like that kind of like you know and I think some of the problem is because something like Asperger's has so many different like unique ways in which it can manifest itself that if they if they pick one then people get mad at them because there's a million other kids out there that have a different manifestation, and then it's like, how dare you? Or they say that's not us. perfect, for right? That exactly. And there's no, and there's no way something like that is gonna be perfect because everybody's symptoms are are slightly different. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that not you were slightly, like, radically. We were all trying to think, what's wrong with the kid? What's wrong with the kid? And then when she said, we've had him tested, blah blah blah. Nobody can come up with anything. Yeah. That was really like, oh, okay. He has. Uh, uh, I'll just film diagnose him. the The kid has, uh, in my opinion, a version of sensory processing disorder, and uh, it's 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 honestly something that my youngest they thought had because he did a lot of the things that the kid in this movie does. Um, uh, and like, and there were times when we had to brush him like a horse and, uh, really? So you tried that. You had to do that same. Yeah. That's a real treatment. That's, that's, that a, people... that's a real thing. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, uh, I didn't know if that was like some, you know, like hippie, hippie. hippie yeah. Like agey. Exactly. Kind of is, but, but it's a real, one. they process yeah. like things differently. And it, and, and again, it can manifest itself in all sorts of weird ways. So they'll be like, does your kid like have a meltdown if you put him on the swing? No. Okay. Does he spend nine hours at straight on the swing? Yes. Either one of those things could mean that he has a sensory processing disorder and it doesn't have an official medical classification, or at least it didn't when I, I was potentially going through this process, which has been at this point, six, seven, eh, seven or eight years. But, uh, um, but so it was kind of a weird nebulous thing because they also thought that that my son might have had autism because um, basically everybody with autism has sensory processing disorder of some kind, but not everybody with sensory processing disorder has necessarily autism or Asperger's. And so the problem becomes is that a lot of what professional use use for the red flags of of spotting autism or Asperger's is are actually sensory processing disorder symptoms. And so if your kid has a sensory processing issue, but not autism, they're pretty quick sometimes to jump to autism because those are the big red flags. Like we always, you know, we always 
kind of talk about Brian and his happy hands when he gets excited. He'll like do this thing where he shakes his hands almost like like he's trying to make them helicopters. Like and he still does it. It's a lot more low key, but he still does it when the kids freaking out when the toilet flushes. I mean, I've had that exact same thing happen with Brian when he was younger when we were at a movie and the 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 hand dryers. Somebody hit a hand dryer and it it was on like he it would flip him out. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's I mean, I think I think that really speaks to the film and it's not just this part, but the part about being a mother and the part about the family and then the kid and all this. It's very realistic. Yeah. I think that's the big takeaway is everything going on in this film was believable and even though I knew these actors, it it, it really just was like I was like I was just watching a documentary or I was watching a real life family dealing with these issues. It's so well written and so well acted. So perceptive about everything. When she talks about the little girl, about how it's going to be harder for her because the way girls are. So when I said women put impossibly tough standards on themselves, I think women are our own worst enemy because we have this impossible ideal of June Cleaver that we have to live up to. Like when she was talking about baking the minion cupcakes and stuff like that, because you think that you're this terrible mother because you don't have time or you're tired and it just puts stress on her. So when she finally does call the nanny service and she gets this woman who's this incredible fixer. Yeah. And it just makes it. But I think that that's a lot, too. Like we have such pressure. And then her brother being rich with the wife who didn't couldn't work out when she was what nine months. Yeah. She's like, I couldn't. Yeah. So the, the hilarious. She has a, a, a brother played by Mark du, Duplass. Am I saying that right? Yes. Uh, and uh um, I I always love seeing him in a movie. I, I, do, too. I do too. First of all, I, I wanted to talk about this. I thought it was against the law for Ron Livingston and Mark Duplass to be in the same movie <laughs> because they're the same person. Like when when I, I didn't know who Mark Duplass was, you know, because I grew up with Ron Livingston, Office Space. That's right. like I knew of him, and then Mark Duplass came on the scene. And I'm like, oh, that's the new Ron Livingston. Like, their facial expressions are the same. They look similar. Their cadence is the same. When I saw they were both in this movie, I thought there was going to be, like, the, the time-space continuum would break down or something. It's, it's- like putting uh, uh, Jesse I- Eisenberg and Michael Sarah in the same yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So um, I like both of them. It's just really funny. I It's one of those things where, like, I always said, Toby Maguire and Jake Gyllenhaal look very similar. And then they played brothers, they played brothers. in a movie called Brothers. Yeah. And it finally happened. Great you, movie. Yeah. Years later, though, after I made that, you know, analysis, I'm like, okay, that's perfect casting. I've always thought they were. So, uh, but so she, uh, Marlo's married to uh, a character that Ron Livingston plays. And then she goes to dinner. They're, they're, they both don't want to go over to the brother's house, right? Because the brother's like really like rich and successful. And I, I liked how this was played too because they feel like he flaunts his wealth. And I really didn't get I I feel like he enjoys his wealth, but I really didn't feel like he was flaunting it as much as he does have money and he enjoys the things money can bring. But that but I I didn't seem like an a-hole. Yeah, like he he, he, right. I mean, he was a smart ass, but he wasn't a bad person. And And he legitimately cares about his sister. Well, and I think what's great about this is this is such a realistic thing that we all deal with every day is two people having different interpretations of the same thing. Yeah. So I love this. So before they go over there, uh, when Marlo says, we're going to go have dinner with my brother, he's like, Oh, I don't want to go. He hates me. Why should I even go? Right. And then later on the film, it's the same exact thing where he's talking with his wife and, and he's like, Oh, he hates me. And, And so it's great that, that both of them have the same perspective, maybe for different reasons, but they're just crossing wires. It's like neither hates each other. They yeah. think each other. They're do. just different. Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes her into his tiki bar. Yeah. Which was hilarious. I love the line when she's like, when did the birds start singing? <laughs> I, that, was, that was my first thought too. I'm like, right? this looks like a tiki room. I know. I thought, oh, Katie would really enjoy that joke. We're such big Disney fans. <laughs> but in, so when, when after dinner, when they do go to the tiki room, they, he, um, he decides that he will give her a gift and the gift, he hands her this card and it's a night nanny, which is something I've never heard of. Is that of. a is real it? thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So so this is a living... We live in the Midwest, so we don't yeah. know. Like, it, we don't have that stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not like the same as, like, a live-in nanny. This is a nanny that comes at night. So you can nanny. sleep. She takes care yeah. of the nighttime things yeah. so you can sleep. I've got a good local story about that. Years ago, uh, this is 
uh, before this widespread, you know, a lot of officers being killed. Mm -hmm. This officer got killed, um, and it was in the 80s, and his, maybe early 90s, and his wife was pregnant with twins. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. I can't remember the guy's name. Was it Stanzi? Was it? But anyway, his wife was pregnant with twins. This is weird. I One of the guys from my fraternity is a cop, and his last name is Stanzi. Like, that was like... <sighs> So I don't know. So maybe. Anyway, so it was it was a big deal. He got caught. Uh, he got shot. The woman's, uh, you know, pregnant with twins. Bruce Springsteen stepped it up and hired a night nanny for this woman. Oh wow! When she got uh, when she delivered the babies. So I don't know how he heard about it. Yeah. If he was in town for a concert or if he got a letter or an email, it might be in his book. But uh, a friend of ours that works in radio worked with a, a police officer's wife. That's okay. how they know that. But Springsteen didn't like announce it right. to the world or say anything because he just did it honestly. But wasn't that a wonderful gift? Wow. So that's the first time I ever heard of that. Cool. Okay. So. Yeah. And I, so I wasn't familiar with it like Tom, but it seemed reasonable. And so the, you know, she's really hesitant. She takes offense to it. She's basically like, is this what rich assholes do? And, and really takes offense where the brother's trying to do something nice. We right. See, he's not doing it to be like, ah, this is what we would do. And we, you know, so, so he gives her this and she's like, whatever. She takes the card, but she's not happy about it. But as her daily life goes on, she is just getting more and I more. I like the montage of just the monotony yeah. of an infant. And this is after the baby's born. Yeah, so, they, make, they make babies cute for a reason. Yeah. Like, so you don't kill them. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Doesn't she's, always work, but more often than not, it works. Yeah. No, because motherhood is constant. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she has the baby and yeah, they do this montage that rapidly it gets faster and faster. And it's just like cut to you know diapers driving to school crying up all night diapers and it just eventually i think it was wasn't she on the way to school one day and the kids are freaking out and she has a breakdown yeah the the kid has a meltdown because he wants to park in a certain parking lot yeah he's and, doing that kind of a thing so you see and i think that was a really clever shot how outside the car it was silent yeah and you just hear cars like you know quietly driving around but it was a great way to see her world and then like what's going on outside around her. i have a real quick mean question okay uh because i just when i got to think about when i was like oh that's why they make babies cute so you don't kill them um was this not a cute baby this baby was not cute like, oh, I didn't notice. I thought it was kind of a like normally in movies you see like really like cute, adorable, borderline Gerby, Gerber bo babies. Yeah, borderline Gerbers. puppet looking babies. And not an American sniper puppet baby, oh, but no. uh but like just really like aggressively cute. Like hmm. bred in a lab for cuteness. And like <laughs> this baby had kind of weird bug eyes and like I I, I don't know. Like I kind like I kept like waiting to like be like, Oh, that baby's cute and like that moment never came and I kinda like and I don't know if that was a choice. Like if they were like, Let's pick a baby that's not the cutest baby in the world. Well thanks. This is Jason Reitman's baby. So I know, that's probably, right. yeah, like, that's it's, we're it's find probably out. some executive's baby. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I was just wondering if they yeah. you know, like they didn't pick like the traditional really cute, chubby cheeked, like I thought she was fine, but there is that, you know, Seinfeld thing about ugly babies. So, you know, but Charlize Theron, do you think she'd have an ugly baby? I don't know. But <laughs> but sometimes babies are um, odd when they're first born and then they develop yeah. into that, this. That is also know? true. I mean, like I, my youngest, I, I thought he was a pretty weird looking baby. <laughs> like, I was just well, like, I hope you grow out. Of it. He did. But, you know, Tom, it's 2018 and the baby got the job because they were the best actor. They were the best that's baby for the it. job. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that's... I just didn't know if they maybe deliberately picked a baby that was a little bit more difficult for the audience to bond with. Yeah. Oh, so they're not like, yeah, oh. shut up. That's a cute baby. You take care of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, she's so exhausted, but I just think that uh, women um, are just, they do. They think they have to be this perfect person, this ideal vision of womanhood, and it's impossible to live up yeah. to. And plus, if you, you know, they're having their third. Yeah. Usually, you know, the first one, you're so careful. Everything's just so, you know, but you don't know what you're doing, but you're still sure. so perfect. You read the books and, yeah. and all that. The second one, you're just kind of like a little bit. Yeah, you know yeah, what's going relax. on. But then third one, I imagine you're it's just like that line from around. It's like that line from Parenthood where Steve Martin's like, the third one, you let them juggle knives. Like, yeah, you're <laughs> just like, they're going to be fine. 
So, so it was very relatable. It seemed to me very realistic. You could relate to all the the late nights and the just crying, and you try to get yes. some sleep, and then they're up again. And yes, yeah. I had I had an angel baby and a devil baby, oh. and the devil baby never slept. And it, I was in a rocker as a zombie for two years, rocking a kid. Right. So believe me, I know what that felt like. Yeah. And so I think. Uh, I think that was that was really good, especially Charlize Theron, because you know how glamorous and beautiful right. and accomplished she is, and then she's playing this everyday woman. But Di- Di- uh, I'm just totally saying it wrong. Diablo Cody, her dialogue was so perceptive about every stage, yeah. and about like she did love her husband, she did love her children, but she actually had dreams once upon a time, and then this this young person comes in her life that's at the start and has all this energy and dreams and she's very thoughtful and and she's just thinking about what her life was like back then yeah so the night nanny shows up and her name is tully and she's like young and she makes the comment about you've clearly never had a baby like because of her her body and uh and And this is Mackenzie davis do we know her from anything because she's so good she looked familiar but i could not place where i would know her from uh if you watch black mirror She's in a very iconic episode of Black Mirror. I forget which one because Matt Meyer told me about it. And, <laughs> okay, I'll look it yeah. up. But I, I do love Matt Black Mirror. I just didn't. Yeah. Maybe that's why she's familiar. She's so good. And I think we should just spoil this for the sake of I agree. not coming back to all these things. So everything that Lynn just mentioned about her, about. Um, we, we should probably say before you spoil it that if you have any intention of, of watching the movie, we're going like some spoilers are like it's a it's a vin diesel movie can we really spoil right. it but this is one where let like hinges on the, the entire movie like turns on what we're going to tell you so like if you haven't seen the movie yet and it's important to you you might just want to go ahead and hit pause and circle back around later boy yeah okay. it was hard to write the review it's always hard to write the review when you don't i don't give away spoilers sure. oh sure so but it was you just in to a review, be but- De- uh, just delicate, but I know yeah. your name is real spoiler. Right, so it's a little, but yeah. So I figure if we wait until the sp- the spoiler pops up chronologically, we're almost going to have to go back and rediscuss every scene yeah. that comes after. So, so, so basically, what it comes down to is everything Lynn touched on about how Marlo used to have these dreams and she used to have energy and go out and do all this stuff. Well, it comes to find out to, at the end of the movie, we discover that Marlo's maiden name is Tully. And so she has created this manifestation of this perfect young woman that is so alive and makes her feel alive. And so really, it, this movie is Charlize Theron's character talking to sleep, herself yeah, and being <laughs> sleep deprived. Like when she thinks she's going to sleep, Tully is up. So she is up all night. And and uh, and so, again, we don't see that till the very end, but it's a great reveal. I had no idea this movie was going that route. I did not either because yeah. I wondered why it was called Tully. And then when she showed up. It was Tully. Right. But when they say her maiden name, you went, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I kind of knew when the accident happened and then, you know, she's like the mermaid coming out. I go, uh-oh. Yeah, that's where it is. I will, all... I will say that I, I pieced it together just maybe half a scene before, before they reveal. I just thought, oh, she ruined this. Like, being selfish, she ruined this young woman's life. Yeah. You know, because of the things we'll get into. But it, it's just... And they, they lay the groundwork, too, that, that she is she has had mental health issues. Um, she had postpartum had, yeah. depression Well, and in it the sounds like one. it's been more than that because, like, I'm trying to remember the, the brother says, like, we don't want what happened last time, but it but it sounds like... She has a history right. of of bipolar, or and and obviously bipolar used to be called manic depressive, and I and so I kind of surmise that that her night nanny were was they were manic episodes, but because the husband was asleep, he never saw them because yeah. he was aware to be on the lookout for it. You yeah, know? it it's so clever the way they piece this film together yeah. because the thing is, no one else ever sees Tully. And it's not like you're in a room. I mean, the way that they shoot it, the way that the times line up, they wouldn't ever see Tully. Tully right. is a night nanny. Everyone else sleeps during the night. Yeah. So you see Marlo interacting with Tully, but the next day she's she's just gone, and then Marlo's talking to her husband, and Marlo's talking to the brother about her, or whatever. And it, it, it's just amazing, but it's also crossing the wires. Like, what were we just talking about? Was it, was it something in Infinity War? We were just talking about a movie where... 
two two people hear the same thing, but they're you know they're crossing the wires. Yeah, it's another one of those great examples of clever writing where where they're talking to each other and they get into some pretty interesting situations later on where it's really Marlo doing these things and we think it's Tully doing right. them. And the husband's like, "Are we going to talk about this?" And it's like, but they're she's thinking like, "No, we're not going to talk about what." you know what happened but he's like what changed between us like we've been on in this rut and you know and so i really loved the way that diablo cody wrote this from you know the perspective that we didn't see i think one of the things i liked is when she wakes the kids wake up and there are cupcakes on the table and 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 uh and with the her, minion faces yeah, yeah and in her mind tully made the cupcakes and so she's like where do these come from and so the kids take the cupcakes to school and when they and when they drop them off, the uh, the 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 son is like, they're like, where are the cupcakes come from? And the son's like, oh, my mom, mom made, made them. them. And at the time, I yeah. th- you, it you in the moment you think, oh wow, she lied and took credit yeah. for that lady's cupcakes. Well, like, also the kids, of, but yeah. the kids don't know Tully either. Those kids right. don't. You know, Tully deals with the baby after they're in bed. So I yeah. thought she just didn't like say, oh, the night nanny made them. And yeah. you know, kids, of course, oh my parents are the best they made these and the other thing is the 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 parent in me the former single dad who had to deal with stuff like this is like they do not let you bring unwrapped treats to school that's what i thought of too because i was like when the kids were little and they changed that rule i was like oh no now they they won't they won't even let you bring so it used to be you they had to be store-bought so you could buy like the cupcakes from the bakery from walmart or whatever that in tray no more like now each item has to be individually sealed like hostess or little debbie you can't bring any of the like the nice bakery i get it though there's crazies i I mean you can open a tray of walmart things and close a sticker on there you know i mean there's just crazy people but no i i love it it's very cleverly written the entire movie i mean we're people that have all seen a lot of movies and it's pretty easy for me to detect a twist, but I really thought it was going to go down this generic route of, oh, she's she's going to be like, oh, I'm out of love with my husband and I'm falling for Tully. And I yeah. thought it was going to go. That's this. where I thought it was going to. Yeah, that's, that's what that's what they wanted you to. Yeah. Think. And that's what. Yeah, that's what Tim said when he saw it, because he was like, I thought they were going to have relationships because that whole yeah. thing about the Lifetime movies. Remember yeah. Yeah. by the stalker and then the cane and then. And they get really and close she, at certain points. And she remember? runs into the friend from college yes. at the coffee shop. And, and you knew there was something there. And you there. could tell yeah. that like there was some sort of a relationship there that exactly the friend from college would be totally cool with kicking back into gear. Yeah. And so you knew that there was that sort of there was some history of, of bisexuality in her life. And so you thought like that and I think it also they helped. got really close at certain yeah. I mean, it, it was either doing makeup or something they yeah. were really close to one another and I you, it was like the generic stereotypical go in for the kiss while right. you're doing but it didn't happen and I was yeah. so happy not because there's anything wrong with it but it's like don't tell me that story it just seems like a story and, we've seen before yeah. and you're just like oh no not, not and that what again. we got yeah. was so deep I mean with her it's it's about mental health it's about her you know her bipolar manic episode and, and envisioning this person where really it was just her but because she thought it was this other young person that she wanted to be, it's like all of a sudden her life was so much better, but it was just her making different yeah. choices. And it's also like, it, I also thought it was a really accurate depiction of of how mania can manifest itself. Not that it necessarily manifests itself in the creation of fictitious characters or imaginary friends, but that like she felt in the moment like the mania was a good thing like it was helpful and so she was like you know so she would have thought i I don't want to give this up look the house is clean and and right cupcakes are getting made and uh, you know i'm having sex with my husband again and like she would have thought like that was all positive but she was but to do that she was staying awake 20 hours a day and that's unsustainable yeah yeah, that was really good. I liked how they all tied in, especially like they went back to the stuff in the beginning. And then uh, the Bushwick apartment, when that girl says, oh, do you still have, I still have that apartment. Yeah. So then they go back there and Bushwick, Charlie, my son Charlie used to live in Bushwick. It's the hipster capital of the universe. <laughs> okay. So I thought that was really interesting that they went there. Well, and she even and, talks about how like, like, oh, well, yeah, she could never afford to live here now. Like it must be rent controlled or something. Like the neighborhood was 
radically different. There was a great line where she's like, she's like, oh, the, you tell the neighborhood got really nice. There's a bakery for dogs. What it used to be, a bakery for, for people. people. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. It's so true with all these dog bakeries popping up and the stuff is not cheap. Yet people will spend so much money what, on. What did she say? She's like, we ate gluten back then. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the writing is so good. Uh, and I just, again, the performances. I Charlize Theron was so believable. Um, I mean, we have to talk about the time when she goes to talk to the principal or headmistress or whatever it should so so her son goes to a private school and we didn't mention that the brother because of his donations and contributions to this school um they were able to get in where normally you know marlo's family wouldn't be in but because the brother's money they were able to and so they were they were letting the son go but it was like because of disruptions because of whatever issues he's dealing with they they keep hinting like it's not a good fit we need to figure a solution out uh, eventually they say you need to get a um, an assistant or some kind of a helper that will be with him yes which would cost them a lot of money having yeah. a person there all day yeah and she's because she asked the principal what wh- okay who do i talk to to get this how do i get this and and she's like oh we don't provide those you pay for them and so it, it, she's in this totally i mean she's already dealing with the pregnancy and and all the crazy stuff happening dealing with the son helping her daughter taking care of the house and then she's got this school to worry about where her son is basically going to lose his position in the school which is a really good school um, and so the breakdown in the principal's office thing I yeah mean, just i i really like the school stuff too like i felt like that was handled really well similar to the husband in that yeah it would have been easy to paint the school as a bunch of jerks and but like the school's right like they they do have 24 other kids in the class to concern themselves with and yeah. like and that's why you know kids get ieps and they get you know a, a you know a one to one handler to help them and she's at a private school and she's at a private school clearly for kids with money that her brother is helping out yeah. with and so like that school isn't set up for that like it's in you know and there are a lot of there are a lot of families i mean i know i know family that's that you know they're they're very catholic and their kids go to catholic school but they had that that one kid that they were like he has special needs and he's going to go to a public school because when you send him to a public school now they have to supply it mm. so like that's that's not an uncommon situation that parents pull their kids out of a private school to send them to a public school because perhaps counterintuitively they are better equipped to deal with it yeah but the parents in that moment until the kid gets there and adapts and they see that it, it goes okay. And then hopefully it does. I know that that's not always true, but I think in a lot of cases it is, but like they, they, uh, you know, they in that moment they feel like, well, why isn't the school doing that for me? Sure. No, it, the school was pre- presented very well. Yeah. Um, everything you said makes sense. Where you feel bad for for Marlo yeah. and, and the son, and you want them to get help, but it's true the school just can't provide that resource, and they're happy to have you hire someone that will help them out. But it's becoming more and more apparent that next year the son is going to have to go elsewhere. And so she loses it. She's sick of, of this, you know, what does what does quirky mean? Everyone says that. And it, she has a great monologue where she's going off on everybody. There's some, like, assistant secretary there or something that she's freaking out on. And it's it's a serious scene, but it's funny, too, because it's just such a crazy kind of breakdown. Right. But she And because it's Diablo Cody, even when she's serious, she still talks in a way right. that's funny that exactly. has punchlines built into it i can really i you know <laughs> like steve martin in planes trains and automobiles at lambert airport yeah when he's yeah. just finally the he just yeah. can't take it anymore yeah. and she has to i like how she when she and tully are having the argument when they're on the town night on the town and she's telling her okay this is what you think life is going to be like this is what it's really going to be like and then you know tully's telling her oh uh, your life is boring your house is boring but that's okay. Yeah. Well, God, so, when, when, well, maybe we should wait until we get to that moment. In the f- well, yeah. So I just wanted to say, so throughout the film, so that first night, Tully comes over and just takes over. Like, uh, Marla doesn't have to tell her where anything is. She's like, so what do I, do I need to do this, that? And she's like, no, your job is you go to sleep. I've got everything taken care of. And then she picks up the baby. She's being sweet with her. It's like a very nice moment. And, and Marla's actually able to get a night of sleep. She wakes up and she's had a full night's rest 
She feels she refreshed. She thinks. Well, right, right. Well, Marlo has at least. Yeah. But and then but then her day starts getting better. And every day, every time she interacts with Tully and is getting sleep supposedly and and uh, like life is getting so much better. So we see this change in her mood. We see the change in her interaction with the kids. We see the change in the interaction with the husband. And then there's that hilarious scene where Tully and Marlo are discussing like what the husband likes because she's like, what's your sex life like? And she's basically like, ah, we just don't. And, and Tully says, what is he into? And she's like, well, he has this thing for waitresses. Like, (laughs) didn't he have a dream or a fantasy about waitresses? He like used to work in a diner and, and like, and like a, like Alice, like Mel's diner on Alice which probably means nothing to 80% of the people that listen. Okay, Baby Driver, that girl, she's in oh, the yeah. traditional. There you go. Thank oh, you yeah. for making it something the millennials will get. And go. uh but uh so yeah, he's got a so she had bought uh uh, a waitress outfit to kind of role play with him, but never really kind of had the it. courage to wear it. And it was really funny when at first, when Tully's inquiring, "What's he into?" and she, it, "Oh, it's really weird." And she thought it was going to be some freaky weird yeah. fetish. And she's like, "He likes waitresses." Yeah, <laughs> and she's, and she's like, like, "Oh, well, my that's God. just kind of cute." <laughs> and then she's just like, "Where is it?" And she's like, "Well," what? And, what? and I love how the movie kind of fixes like little plot holes this way because when she puts on the the outfit, I'm like, "There's no way that that would fit both of them." Yeah. And so, but then you look back and you're like, "Well, it didn't." <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's know? just how it is. Exactly. But yeah, so she takes Tully up to to her husband's and room. And at first, I thought it was like, "Well, she's just this." Tully is a very free spirit. She's very, you know, just yeah. a, this young. She she's like the manic pixie dream girl character. If, right. if this were a romantic comedy, that's what Tully is. Yeah. And, and so she she goes upstairs, and I thought, well, they're just their marriage is in this dead rut. She's just gonna let Tully spice things up and do whatever. But later on, we find out that it was Marlo in this too small maids waitress uniform and and so it's just funny the next morning the husband's up and and the kids are ready and he looks i mean every everybody's great and she's smiling and he says are we gonna talk about last (laughs) night and i I, she either just ignores it or says no or whatever yeah i think she said no yeah and and it's it's so funny to find out it's like he's like are we gonna talk about what you did like what happened with you what's this you know like yeah like we had crazy good sex for the first time like are we gonna talk about this three-way or whatever like like, nope it's just gonna go unspoken and you know so really clever writing there again but so her life is getting better and better and and it's just like everything with the with the school she goes back to the principal she apologizes she apologizes for the guy where she's like said she's like F, you know she said f you to this assistant or whatever yeah. and she apologizes to him and i love it because at this point she's already had that breakdown and the the principal and the assistant are like oh my god she's here and she's like apologize i'm so sorry and it, you know it was just really interesting you see that that change in her mood but it basically all comes to a head when after you know weeks or months or whatever her you know obligation was whatever tully's arrangement was are coming to an end and so th- they end up uh tully it seems like she's breaking up with someone that's the end of some relationship yeah i think it's the what happened to sully when she was living in that apartment in bushwick with oh, that girl oh the bra- oh, oh that's like she's great- kind of following the same timeline yeah okay yeah, that's- she was like well i have guys over and she doesn't like it and yeah. it's complicated oh, that's, yeah, no, that super smart. that's super smart since this is a younger um this is a younger uh marlo when her mate name was still Tully that right. makes perfect sense so yeah so so Tully's going through this terrible breakup which is presumably with the friend we see at the coffee shop yeah and then she's like I just want to go out let's go out and and then Marlo's like well we have a baby we can't and then she's like we don't have a babysitter I think and and Tully's like well what's your husband doing right now like he can yeah. take care of the baby one thing I had a question about maybe you two caught it or could answer uh at one point Marlo says well I have to stay up with the baby because I have to feed the baby but she's pumping breast milk the entire time the husband can get up and go to the fridge and get a breast milk and feed the baby yeah theoretically i mean i that's, thought that was that's a very what, odd that's what you pump for but i mean i i took it as i mean a lot of mothers they do that and and it's there but it's all but a lot of times it's for when they're out and about sure you know but i think but i mean but they, i also i kind of took it as like she she was still in that mode where sure the husband could do it but she didn't want him to like she still wanted to oh you know yeah and then she wasn't known and then you're not supposed to drink alcohol when you're <laughs> breastfeeding well, that's, what, that's, what, that's another reason it's, it's, you pump. Yeah, yeah and that but also she got really impacted that's why she was being you know like in that terrible pain and yeah. they were gonna leave and everything yeah, so. So, okay so so they go out on a night in the town they basically say yeah the husband's here he can watch the baby which we find out later it's like she i don't think she even told 
Ron Livingston, right? Like they no, left. He didn't, know, left. He didn't, he didn't know where she was. Yeah. He woke up to an empty house and, yeah. a, and a baby. So obviously, yeah. and the car gone. Yeah, yeah. So she's obviously dealing with some stuff. But I thought the driving scene was hilarious because it took them what looked to be hours to get into town. I just thought it was so funny that like. For me, like if I have to drive like a half hour, I'm like, man, that's kind of a long drive. Yeah, it looked like to go out on the night, like I would want to turn around and go back home at this rate. It was just a funny street sign after street sign, kind of a yeah. Were they in New Jersey? I, I guess think so. They would. Uh, that's how I took it because they were going to Brooklyn. Yeah, is where they decided right. to go and. So, right. but yeah. it, it was it was just funny how long it seemed to take. But they finally got there, and then Tully just drops this bomb. She doesn't really, you know, hold it back for long. She's just like, "I have to leave." And Marlo is having it, her life is so great now, and and Tully's just like, "It's time," which is really cool in hindsight, knowing that it's like you're you're getting to a better place, like you're figuring out what you need to do for yourself, and like it's time. I can't. Yeah. It's Mary, it's Mary Poppins. Yeah, exactly. We keep we can't keep this up forever. But spoonful of sugar helped the nanny go down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so they so uh, this is this and then is this when we get to the bathroom scene with the with the she's bar? yeah she's trying to express herself because yeah. the milk ducks were getting so it's real super painful. Yeah. Okay. You guys know that. Yeah. Real but really funny scene though where they're Not in the first hand. But yeah. <laughs> but no, you just see I mean it is. It's like a couple hours if you haven't done it. That's why so they're trying to get her to go in so she can, yeah. you know, just get some of it out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a hilarious scene because like someone's knocking on the door and they're yelling back at them and she has to she's over the toilet and I think isn't she throwing up from drinking so much? Well, she's, yeah. she's over the toilet. It's like this weird like dive bar and there was there like a bathtub in their toilet she was like sitting on something i couldn't tell what she was sitting on and oh, yeah but it was, was like this, over the toilet yeah yeah and, i thought and, she was just sitting on the toilet okay, and then and, she turned around because then she turned around and threw up in a toilet so like, it's yeah. like she's yeah. trying to express the milk and then she's throwing up in the toilet and it was just a really crazy scene well and i thought this was gonna be their sex moment like oh, I really thought, i thought that's because i mean because she has to take her Rest out. Like, how romantic. Was, well, I, I mean, I don't think it's romantic, but I thought it was going to end up going that direction. Right like, oh. don't leave. I mean, she you know, yeah. she was trying to get her to say, like, don't leave, don't yeah. leave. And she was at, but yeah, when she was buzzing her old apartment and the girl's like, it's she's not going to be there, you know, and, and all yeah. that. So it was just, I don't know. And it, it doesn't just, say, like, I can't let you go up there. Tully says something like, you can't go up there, like, she's the whatever she yeah. says to her was some kind of a line like she's trying to talk her out of it because she's like yeah she'll she'll let me in she wants to see me and and tully's just like no because tully realizes or her subconscious is telling her like you're in a different place like this is i know this is what you want but you do have a husband you do have a family this isn't going to be good for anybody because you're basically trying to rekindle an old relationship well and would they have that that fight for lack of a better word on the on the street where um where Tully's telling the speech you referenced earlier about like, you yeah. know, like, yeah, you like you're you're giving your kids the childhood you didn't get. Like your kids want a boring childhood because boring means stable mm -hmm. and it's very well written. Yeah. I mean, that's a and and I just thought, what a great moment. Like you never really see that sentiment expressed in movies like most movies are like suburbs are are boring. And why would you want to live there? And and everything's about follow your dreams, almost consequences be damned. And no matter, you know, who you might hurt or kick to the curb or whatever, you know, and uh, uh, and it was just really nice to see a movie that basically said, look, look, you made some life choices. And it's really easy to look at the other path path and ask yourself, what if? But at the end of the day, like you're responsible for people and you don't get to do that. Like you have to. You know, you're supposed to stay put. And what you think is boring for them is a stable, secure childhood where they can grow up and be stable and secure adults. And so that means sometimes you don't get to go bang the old girlfriend from Bushwick. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that's. Yeah. You well, know. the grass the grass is always greener on the other yeah. side, and and that's what they don't show a lot in movies. So that's another part of the truth of this film, which is really nice because you hear from people all the time that are like, you know, like, oh, it must be so fun to be single and go out and do all this stuff, and then you hear from the single people like, no, I don't want to have to date. People are jerks. It's a pain in, in the ass. I don't want to date. You know, I or I want a house. I want that security. And so it's like you always want what you can't have. And so she's, she's looking at all the negatives. She's being pessimistic, but really she has that stable, secure right. life with her family. And it was, it was nice in retrospect to basically know it's her, the younger version of herself kind of saying like, 
you're in a rough patch, but you did it. Like this yeah. is what I wanted, and you you got us there. Yeah, and don't don't squander it. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, the kids. Uh, I like how the kids notice her changing. Which is good because the kids don't make a big deal about it, you know, like because kids know they just consider that their reality. Right. Yeah. But all of a sudden the house is clean. Why is the house clean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a really and, funny moment. And you all know, both of you know what stepping on a Lego is like. Oh, yeah. man. With yeah. bare, bare feet. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. you know. I, uh, so their house that they live in. Um, so I kind of took it. They were living in the, the parents' house. That they, because everything in the house was very antiquated. I could I could see that. Like it was, yeah. Like, like they just took over the parents' right. house. Yeah, because I mean, antiquated. Like I mean, a lot of that that uh, decor was like from the seventies. Like yeah. even their yeah. micro. What really made me notice it was the microwave. Yeah, I their, did notice the appliances. Their microwave older. had an actual oh. knob that you turn and oh, would wow. click, and like I'm like. Dude, that's one of the first microwaves yeah. ever. Like, I'm surprised you had a third kid with a microwave like that. Like, <laughs> I, I can't believe his boys are still swimming. But uh, yeah, um, but well, one of them might be like the Hulk or something. Yeah, because my my first thought was like, why would they? I mean, you can get a decent, and it wasn't like one that mounted to the wall or anything. It just sat on a yeah. a countertop, and I was like, you can get a countertop microwave for like sixty bucks. Like, there's no reason to have a microwave from the seventies. Like, and I was just like, I bet they're in. The parents' yeah. house, like the brother, didn't need it and knew the sister did, and was like, "You, you take, take the house, you yeah. take mom's house, and and I'll stay where I'm at, and then you don't have a house payment or you have a lesser house payment." But it came with really old, ugly wallpaper yeah. and a beat up couch that's thirty years old and a microwave that you know they bought sometime during the Carter administration. So. Yeah, it clearly it's they're I mean the husband has a good job like they're doing okay. It's just they're not they're not making money like the, the And they've got 3 kids and, they've and got two three, of them yeah. are in private school. Like exactly. the, it sounds like the brother pulled strings to get, get them, them in, in but yes. wasn't necessarily foot in the bill. Exactly. Which so, I mean not that it should, but, right, yeah. but that's what I took it as. It's yeah. like they're keeping they're not spending money on the cars, they're not spending it on the house it's like they're trying to feed the kids put them through school that they can't honestly afford but it's the best thing for them and so yeah they're just living that modest lifestyle and i think that's where a little bit of the spite comes from you know looking at the brother's lifestyle he's got this new car he's got the g-wagon that no one needs and 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 he's not being a jerk about it. he just mentioned did you see it but they before they go excited about a a new thing he bought but he wasn't going into the house her and ron livingston are making fun of it and saying how dumb it is did you see game night yet no i didn't okay so like have you seen it? No. Oh my god, it's so good. But Kyle Chandler's character is kind of the version of the brother that they perceive him to be. That's like, another right? one that could be a triplet of those two. Kyle yeah. Chandler looks like those yeah. two. But he's but he's like, you know, like I bought this brand new Corvette. Isn't yeah. it awesome? And like, you know, and so um and again, so it's nice to it works in that movie. I'm not bagging on Game Night. I yeah. really enjoyed it, but like I, it was nice to see that it's like he isn't doing that, but you also understand why if you don't have those things, sure. it feels like he's doing that. Yeah, exactly. That's the that is the, you know, two perspectives on the same thing. I just I really liked seeing that and I love it when they show it from the other side. I think and it's really there's a couple of lines, there's not many, but just that line, even the one line of no, he hates me from yeah. Mark Duplass when that's the same thing that Ron Livingston said. It's just that really showed the insight into well, these they've got their perspective, but it's And not- I like that those two lines that they were both saying about the other one were like spaced apart yeah. in time within the movie. It would have been real easy to have it be cutesy and back to back. But at first, you really did think, like, I yeah. thought Mark Duplass was going to be a jerk. I right. thought, you know, but more and more his actions seemed like they weren't. And I think that's very easy for someone getting, being emotional, you know, the both of them. I mean, they're, they're putting emotions into it, their own emotions, what yeah. they don't have and what he's saying. And they're, they're projecting this, what they don't have onto him for his halves. And, and I thought Mark Duplass was great casting in that. A lot of times when you see an actor in a movie, like, you know what that actor's there to do. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, this guy always plays the bad guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, um, but uh, Mark Duplass, like sometimes he plays a total jerk, but other times he plays a cool yeah. guy. And so it's like like you 
you didn't know what he was there to do. Like he, like he does both, and so like you, you do have that moment of like, oh, maybe he is the jerk, and then you get to the end, and you're like, oh, okay, he's not the jerk, he's just a guy, and it's you know, so it's like it was also from a casting standpoint, kind of a nice head fake that they cast an actor who you don't know yeah. if he's gonna be a douche. Right. Or not. It's not William Fickner is the the brother. <laughs> right. where you're just like, he's, who's he's, that guy that? Uh, oh man, he was in a. I always remember from Six Feet Under, and he and he all, he was in that uh, that war movie with Woody Harrelson where they're like uh, back from Afghanistan, and oh man, I'm totally blanking on his name. He's a r- really well known character actor, um, but God. I know what you mean. But he Maybe, always kind of plays an a hole when you have a character actor like a like a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, they're really really good, but they get their they get jobs based on like oh you're perfect for that guy, right? No, it, it was really good casting. Again, I think the performances were great. Um, but what it all comes down to in this conclusion is so they, they have their fight. And before they even go out, Tully is like, I'll I'll drive. I'll be fine to drive. And, and uh, you know, and then um, Marlo says, oh, I won't drink that much. What well, ends up that Marlo gets hammered. I mean, she's thrown up in the bathroom. She has way too much to drink. But she still ends up driving home. And then they end up crashing off of a bridge. And at this point, you know, they're having this this intense it's not as intense here, but it's like Marlo's kind of, she's mad at her and, and, and she doesn't want Tully to go and everything. And I just keep thinking, well, this, this young woman has her whole life ahead of her and it's, it sucks. Like I get it, but oh, Marlo's being so selfish here and, and, and Tully has stuff to do. And then they crash off the bridge and I'm like, Oh my God, she's going to end up being dead. And now Marlo's taken this, this woman's entire life. And so I felt so bad for, her, but it flashes to the hospital and Ron Livingston's there and, and trying to get information and, 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 and what does he end up saying? Like she's asking, they're, they're asking, asking, do you know information, who she was? information for the paper for the, it, to admit her into the hospital for the paperwork. And they're oh, asking, like, they do they you were. have your insurance card? And they're like, what's her maiden name? And she's, he's like Tully. And that's then where it like, is. Okay. And then it clicks and it's like, wow, the whole thing. So, and then I think they go back and do the flashbacks. You see her, don't they show her a making the bit, pie yeah. with herself and, yeah. and doing something? Yeah, like in the bar, she's having the cocktail yeah. sitting there. It's the whole it's a fight club thing. I mean, it's, right. this, yeah. is, this is the fight club yeah. reveal, basically. Yeah. And so yeah. they show all these scenes with, you know, she's not punching herself, luckily, like in fight club. But you see her doing all these things and interactions we just watched that were so charming and such a great, great scenes between her and Tully. And then, yeah, we, we get that big reveal. And so we eventually he goes in. Does he go in? Is she like in a? coma right or it's pretty serious i remember i can't remember if she wakes up in the hospital or if we just see later Uh, she wakes up in the hospital and she clearly has black eyes and injuries and you don't know if she has a head injury right right and because i thought she was gonna be in a coma but i yeah but what i liked about ron livingston it was like he was so concerned and then the nurse was because he said well she has a night nanny and then i don't know what the nurse said to him where he, he was she was like well aren't you there yeah like, yeah it was like, that, what's wrong with you yeah yeah it was that it was that same conversation that we were kind of alluding to earlier of like well what what's your husband doing they had that conversation she's yeah supposed to the baby's supposed to be with the night nanny and they weren't there and it's like yeah weren't you home so it was a good nice little scene and kind of reaffirmed what they were talking about earlier and uh and yeah and and, and basically it ends up that uh I they flash forward and it she seems pretty okay, right? I mean, it, yeah, it she seems has like cane. She's got a cane, <laughs> yeah. but it seems like there's a new normal. But and mentally, that, she's kind of okay with yeah. after this experience. She's kind of okay with her life again, and right, she's learned from she's learned a lesson, which I which is nice from a storytelling standpoint, but is also kind of like like oh, nobody ever talks about the upside of mental illness. Like you know, like I don't think most people have an episode like that and go. Oh, I've learned a lesson and now my life is fixed. Like no. it does, you know, like it, that was a, a little, like a little cutesy, but I liked the movie enough that I was kind of willing yeah. to turn a blind I, eye it. It didn't seem <laughs> offensive to me and, and not, you know, and not that I've dealt with the same things, but to me, like I think this, the, the story handled it really well. And I think, I think it really shows, I think, like, I think it and really in a simple point, it's like, be happy with what you have. I mean, she learned that, you know, she wanted all these other things and a lot of people like things that they can't have or, or have never had, but 
you know, if you look at the positives and she looks at, she's got this great family. She's got three kids. She has a husband that loves her. You know, he may not be perfect, but who is, but like their life, I mean, they're perfect for one another. And there's there's a great line where she talks about riding every horse on the merry-go-round when she was single. Oh my gosh. Which one was he? Which one was your husband? The bench. But that's so true. Right. And guys do it too. Like what you want for a night out when you're 22 isn't necessarily what you want to marry and raise a family with. He's stable. Yeah, he's stable. It's like the stability. You don't. He's not the stallion. He's the bench, but the bench is stable. Right. Right. It's not going anywhere. These were all people. They were just trying to do the best they could, and it, it was very realistic in terms of that. It's just like they're just trying to get through a day. Trying to be a good parent, trying yeah. to be a good spouse, trying to that you know she started cooking better meals and things. But what I love so much about that ending is when she is talking to her husband about getting the night nanny, and she's talking about Lifetime movies, and she says it winds up a stalker, or yeah. they you know have an affair with the husband, and then the the wife ends up with a cane. And then that's just so that's so brilliant. Yeah, because there's a lot of subtleties in this movie. So there's a lot of nuances. But I think I think everybody could relate to it. I was yeah. just I, I was about to make the same point. I think there's something in this movie for everyone. And even though the main character is a pregnant woman or a woman that has a child and is dealing with taking care of three kids, like I still related to certain parts of just having kids or feelings of whatever it is you know things yeah. that you don't have that you want I think or, we've all had moments where we're just we feel kind of stuck in our lives yeah. and you're like and you have that what if that's yeah. what facebook is for right <laughs> like you scroll through and you're like what if you know you have your reinvention yeah and and then at the end i really like the scene because they referenced to it before when he's like you know i do the dishes or, or whatever and like at the end they're sitting there doing the dishes next to one another yeah so i thought that was actually really cute in a good way where another like, sign that they have their parents house they don't have a dishwasher Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, who doesn't have a dishwasher That's in the really world? clever that yeah. you thought of that. Uh, I also flash back to uh, Kramer versus Kramer because Meryl I just Streep's watched ca- that like a week ago. Because, <laughs> yeah, because Meryl Streep's character, she was like the first mom in a movie to be like, I can't, you know, well, she wasn't the first, but the mainstream, because you had Diary of a Mad Housewife, and you had Jenna Rollins, and, yeah. uh, you know, other things. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like it was or what like, was that Peter Falk movie? Yeah, Jenna Rollins. What was it? A Woman Under uh, the Influence? W- or, yeah, A Woman Under the Influence, wasn't it? Is that what it was? Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that was, you know, in the 70s, that's when everybody, the women started getting, you know, like having careers. And yeah. That, but I just thought that was really realistic. And then when she comes back, you know, because she's not a villain. Right. It's just that she was overwhelmed. Yeah. And who can't relate to being overwhelmed? I don't know. I mean. Yeah. And yeah. And, and again, like to Tom's point, no one was the villain. There was no right. bad guy here. It's just, and I really liked that because it would have been really easy to try to make a, a statement. I mean, I think Di- Diablo She Cody's, did make a statement, just not the one you're using to see well, right movie. and yeah. I, I mean i think that diablo cody is she's a feminist and she could she she wants but it's not like she was trying to push an agenda with this movie and it's nice because so often you know people equate feminism with being anti-family or anti-stability or anti-homemaking and like and like you can still have you can still do that and do all those things too like they're not sure. mutually exclusive <laughs> It's supposed to be all about choices, right. you know. That's yeah. the that's the thing you're supposed to say. It's all about your choices. Yeah. But I do think it it speaks to a lot of that, and I think because of the '80s, the conspicuous consumption yeah. of that, everybody is trying to keep up with the Joneses sure. are looking wistful. Yeah. Or well, you know, you see these people have ungodly wealth. You don't know what they do. Yeah. Because yeah. do we know what Mark Duplass? They never vague about it. They never really say what he does. That 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 I remember. Ron Livingston is like a software he, salesman. He, he talks about how he does something that's so boring. You just yeah, it's some over. really. And yeah. He tries to explain it, and it didn't. Well, and Mark even, Duplass like tries to talk rep- about he it. He tries to repeat like, it back, uh, and you know that he got it wrong, but you couldn't tell what he got wrong. You yeah. just know that it's wrong. So it's just funny how they just set people up to be like, "This is the way we are, and this is the way you are." You know, like Mark Duplass's wife was one of those moms that you. know know i'm sure all her kids don't eat sugar or yeah. dairy or yeah and she worked out through the entire pregnancy that line you mentioned earlier which yeah. is hilarious 
But it was it's a wonderful movie. So it is. I, I yeah. really liked it. And I, a good companion piece to <laughs> a quiet place. Have have a double feature on Mother's Day. This movie's just in time for Mother's Day. Ah, there Look you go. That. Yeah. So uh I guess that's it for this one. Yeah. Uh and Lynn, where can people find you and your stuff? Okay, well I uh write for the Webster Kirkwood Times, so timesnewspapers.com. We are also in South County Times, West End Word, and then I am on KTRS on the J Cancellor All Access show on Thursday nights, but I'm going to be on. Well, you won't have this. Ready. But anyway, yeah, usually <laughs> yeah. Thursday nights, and then I do a minute review with Paul Cook on Y98 during drive time. Wow. On Fridays. That's a lot. A minute. That's yeah. <laughs> but that's only the big movies. Gotcha. Like Jay yeah. and I, we can talk about art movies and stuff. Yeah, she can review 60, 60 movies in the time we can do this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Kevin. Hi, I'm Kevin. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. Uh, you can also uh, see my reviews and interviews and all that good stuff on ReviewSTL.com. And I also want to plug our new Patreon. So thank you very much to everyone who has supported Real Spoilers. It's Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. Joe and I are doing a weekly .5 episode. We're also dropping, you may have seen, a bonus clip of Tom. We posted his uh, 20-year-old radio <laughs> demo. So... It's all done through like a like a like a bullhorn. Like I sound like Al Jolson. Yeah. So everybody. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> so we're gonna try to post as much behind the scenes stuff. Uh, maybe episodes that never made it to air. Older podcasts we've recorded. Just uh, maybe the stuff before and after we record. We could put some kind of little. Yeah. Couple. I mean, we have all sorts of ideas. So it's only five dollars or more a month. So five is the lowest. Uh, you get at least four full length uh, brand new episodes a month for the five bucks plus all the extras and then more more ideas to come awesome and uh you can follow me on twitter at roger kubert or on facebook at facebook.com slash tom o'keefe if you want to find the show online you can do that at facebook.com slash real spoilers or on twitter at real spoilers so uh that's it for this one uh, no idea what's next week uh we're all out of sorts all, with our... it is life of the party Life of the Party. Which one's that? Melissa McCarthy oh, teams up with her husband. I think weekend. I'm out of town that weekend. What a treat for Kevin. He loves Melissa McCarthy. Uh, I'm definitely so. out of town And that her weekend. husband directed it. So you just think of, <laughs> what was it, Tammy? Yeah. Oh, That God. was not a good oh, one. Yeah. Oh, oh. But uh, yeah. so anyway, that's what you have to look forward to. We're going to subject Kevin to a Melissa McCarthy I movie. will probably review Rock Dog and just do my own episode. But <laughs> so, we'll... uh, you can do the Rachel uh, McAdams and Rachel Vi lesbian movie disobedience there we go so i will be on my will be doing a, a lesbian movie all by himself yeah <laughs> i mean that literally and figuratively so that's it for this one thanks for tuning in until next time the narrator is tyler durden 